Hey, beer nerds, and welcome to the podcast. Today is Monday, April 18th, 2016. Moving on to episode 5, the Building Breweries podcast. Five episodes in, five breweries down, many more to go. My name is Michael Moeller, and I'm recording from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Before we get started with uh, Phil Young from Hill Farmstead Brewery up in Vermont, I just wanted to thank everybody for subscribing and rating us on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, If you haven't gotten a chance to do that yet, I would encourage you to do so because um, it just makes us more attractive to breweries, if we're being honest. Uh, I got a couple big names uh, coming up this week that I'm really excited about, so keep listening for those. And uh, if you have any questions or any suggestions, feel free to shoot me a, a, a comment on Twitter, MolarMD, or, uh, you know, like I said, leave something uh, for me in the iTunes review section. All right, now we're going to go way up north to Greensboro, Bend, Vermont, speaking with Phil Young of Hill Farmstead Brewery. Phil, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. How about you? Yeah, doing well. Um, so I will I will fully admit that I don't know too much about you guys, and a lot of the information uh, that I got um, was from my friend Mike Nolan, who's apparently a big fan of you all. I mean, he's probably visited five times out of the last six months, so quite often. Um, but and, and he described uh, the location for me a little bit, but I was wondering if you could go into some more detail about that. So let's say uh, I fly to Burlington, the, the closest airport, I presume, and I get off the plane. What, what happens next? How, how do I get to your brewery? What, what, is, that, uh, what is that travel time uh, like? Well, most likely you're going to rent a car. <laughs> okay. Um, and drive about an hour and a half, I guess, uh, northeast um, from Burlington. <clears throat> there's the closest interstate to here is I-91, which doesn't go anywhere near Burlington, so you'd likely take, um, a little counterintuitive, you, you would actually take I-89 south out of Burlington, which we're north of Burlington, so again, that's the counterintuitive <laughs> part, uh, to probably to Waterbury, and then hop on 100 north to 15 east to 16 north is probably the most likely route, um, and we're off, uh, from 16 North, we're off a, off there about three miles on dirt roads. At the, is it um, is it is it pretty unassuming? I mean, are there any signs that kind of direct your way? Uh, not really. Um, we, uh, we're not technically allowed to put up signs on the on the town roads, hmm. and you know the closest thing we could have to a sign would be one of those Vermont Chamber of Commerce signs. Um, it's a you know they're pretty generic looking their standard their Vermont has a billboard law so you, <clears throat> this is their attempt at oh, okay. um, letting businesses you know have some sort of signage to direct people um, but we opted not to do that because like I said we're about three miles off off the main road so we could you know we could have basically one sign pointing with an arrow like sure. no farm said this way but it won't it's not going to navigate you through the, the dirt roads very well you could still get lost. <laughs> so, so what exactly? Uh, so we, we just tell people to look at the website. You know, we have clear, concise directions on the website and follow those directions, write them down. <laughs> right. You know, don't rely on having cell service. Don't rely on your GPS because it'll often take you down roads that maybe were roads a hundred years ago, but are no longer roads. Oh yeah. I know, I know all about that. Um, yeah. So, so there's really nothing around you all then. It's, it's pretty much just Hill Farmstead. 
Yeah, I mean, we're about uh, three miles out of Greensboro Village. There's a country store. Um, they have a uh, gas pump down there, so it's not like you got to worry about um, making sure your car is full of gas. I mean, it's not a bad idea, but um, right. but again, yeah, if you once you get here, yes, you will feel like you're out in the middle of nowhere, but if you do need to get to a gas station or get to a store and buy whatever, you know, those things are fairly close by. Okay, well, let me, let me just... Let me talk about this for, for just a moment. Um, there are many people, you know, beer nerds, beer snobs, that make a point to visit you all at some point in their lives. I mean, some of them will go, um, you know, from across seas to get you all, or, or some of them will just... They, they, make a, they make a point just to travel to... Bur um, to fly out to Burlington just to drive up to see you all. And you have, for the most part, I mean, zero marketing. So... How, how did you guys market yourself to, to all these craft beer nerds? Uh, well, we've never acted, we've never actively marketed, as far as I know. Maybe there was a little bit going on in the first year, um, but I mean, primarily word of mouth uh, websites like Beer Advocate, Rate Beer, Talk Beer. Uh, we get a lot of action on there as far as people talking about us. Yeah, so, RateBeer.com had you as world's uh, best beer, I believe, a couple times, right? Yeah. yeah, a couple times. Um, first year, Sean was named best new brewer. Um, and Sean uh, Hill, he's, he's the founder of it. Yep, that's correct. Founder, owner, brewer. Yeah. Um, and the first year he was open, uh, he was named you know best new brewer in the world, which can only go to someone who has opened in that calendar year. And then I forget the, I think it was the, not the second year, but the third year was the first time we were rated number one. Hmm. But we were pretty pretty highly rated, if I remember correctly, that second year too. I want to say top top five or top ten. Hmm. Um, and along with along with that recognition comes a lot of media attention. Um, you know, I know I know Sean did a, a interview at one point years back that was published in Vanity Fair. Hmm. Um, um, can, can you can you describe Sean and like how how he got into all of this? Uh, he started homebrewing as a high school science fair project, I guess, hmm. I think, um, when he was, well, in high school, I, for, I don't know exactly what age, um, and then, uh, you know, stuck with homebrewing, uh, really enjoyed homebrewing, uh, uh, went to college at Haverford, uh, majored in philosophy, got his degree, um, and then... Uh, moved back home after, yeah, after he was graduated. I didn't know Sean back then. Sure. So, um, I think most of this is correct. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I do know his first uh, job at a at a brewery, at a you know real production brewery, was at the shed in Stowe. Um, th that brand still exists, but the brewery itself, as as it was when Sean was there, does not. Um, and he just, yeah, you know, he just wanted to get his foot in the door. Wanted to work in a in a real brewery. It's you know, you can homebrew all you want, but the probably the biggest difference is the equipment, you know. Sure. Instead of using five-gallon buckets and stuff like that, you're actually using real-deal stuff. Um, so that was his first gig. Uh, he started working there, just washing kegs, just to get his foot in the door, and then eventually moved up to head brewer and, you know, was brewing a lot of, a lot of his own stuff there and then moved on to uh, Trout River in Lindenville, another fairly local brewery another one that's 
actually now the label still exists, but the brewery itself is is defunct as the, the physical brewery. <laughs> um, and from there, got a job offer from, um, via his friend, uh, Will Myers, put him in touch with Anders Kissmeyer at Norbo Brogus in Denmark, and they were looking for a, a brewer, I guess specifically an American brewer, and Sean was recommended by Will, and uh, Anders hired him, and, and he brewed in Denmark for a couple of years, uh, and had a lot of freedom there to sort of develop his own recipes and stuff like that, some of those beers that he brewed over there are actually pretty much the same beers that he brews here now, or at least very close, you know, the recipes were started developing back then for mm-hmm. some of them for Hill Farmstead, that is. Um, so, so and after a couple of years in Denmark, you know, successful, uh, having a good time, but, you know, sort of came to a point where, you know, does he want to stay there and make a life of it in Europe, or does he want to come home, and, you know, luckily for, for us, he decided to come home. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's gone from there. Uh, you know, he started out had no expectation of it taking off like it has. Uh, you know, we started out pretty small, eight hundred square foot building, um, pretty much on a. He he picked uh, he picked that location um, because his family like that was his family's land. Yeah, is that this right? is where he grew up. This you know this very property. This is uh, where he grew up, and it, and I'm not I'm not sure of the exact uh, lineage of this particular property, but. Um, you know, his family, the Hill family, has been in Greensboro since the late 1700s, early 1800s. Yeah. Um, so before Greensboro was Greensboro. And, you, and y'all's logo there. actually comes from, I guess, his great, 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 something yeah, like that. Uh, like, Aaron Hill. Um, there was a, that's a great story. There was a, a sign found in an attic. Um, again, I'm not exactly sure where. I apologize. Sure. Uh, I want to say it was found back in the 50s, and it was a sign that said, A Hill Entertainment, A Hill being Aaron Hill, mm-hmm. and uh, the most people call it a wine glass uh, that that is in our logo. Logo, If you've seen the logo, you're probably familiar with sure. what I'm talking about. That exact image was on that sign, um, and he just took that that image and created the, the border around it, um, uh, and that it's just the border is just supposed to look like an H for for Hill, Hill yeah. you know, last name. Okay. Um, now going back, I guess describing your 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 facility now. Um, you just added the tap room recently, is that right? Uh, well, so when he originally opened, it was an 800 square foot building, um, sort of a cobbled together Frankenstein brew house sort of thing. Um, and then by the second year, when I started working here, um, there was a, he built another 800 square foot building attached to the original one, um, but they weren't, you had to go outside to pass between the two. There was no direct, um, and that was where the retail shop was moved into when I started working here. I'm not, I started working here like one day a week in May of 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, the retail shop was in that new building. But um, and, and, and you say and you say a retail shop that that just means that you you sell the bottles only, right? Uh, back then it was primarily just growlers. Um, we had definitely had a few bottles 
here and there, but um, you know, primarily with draft beer and growlers, and and if there was a bottle or two available, you know, you might consider yourself lucky at that oh, point. Okay. Um, I mean, there's always, almost always a bottle or two available, but it was certainly more uh, sparse back in those days, I'll say. Um, you know, actually, right now, in all honesty, there's only three bottles available, and I, you know, I say only now, whereas well, yeah, and, and I guess that's something else I want to talk about. You know, you, you have people coming from all over just to, to, specific, uh, to specifically see you guys. And sometimes they don't even get to fill a growler or they don't even get to buy a bottle. Do you ever have to deal with, like, entitlement issues like that? Uh, well, we, I mean, we never run out of beer. I don't know if that's what you're implying, but we, I guess people have, have you know, walked away because they didn't want to wait in line maybe. But um, okay. we definitely have never completely run out of beer that So with with, I mean, let, let's be honest. Because you don't really distribute outside outside the state, there is a certain rarity. Like I said, people just go and, and visit um, Greensboro just to see you all. Do, do you have a limit on how much they can they can buy and, and bring back with them? Uh, well, in the new tap room, we do our best to never impose a limit on growlers. Um, I think maybe once we did when the when the wait time, and we've had internal discussions as to when we should impose a limit. Um, I don't, you know, we, I don't foresee us imposing limits on, on any regular basis as, basis as far as uh, growlers go. And as far as um, bottle-conditioned bottles or prepackaged, um, the limits are always clearly stated on the website. Um, uh, things that, you know, come out relatively often, uh, sometimes there's no limit, um, but oftentimes, yeah, it sort of depends so, on what we think traffic will be too, and and so it's it's, it's on case uh, to case basis. Yeah, case by case basis. Um, but typically, uh, the more common ones, you know, non barrel aged, it'll either have no limit or a or a fairly high limit, like a case. You know, you can buy up to twelve bottles, which but some people definitely do, but most people aren't going to buy a whole case of. Yeah. Depending on where they're coming from, some people will. You know, we'll say, oh, there's a three-case limit, and somebody will buy three cases, but it's, yeah, case-by-case case basis, and uh, typically the, you know, the low the low limits, I'll say, are on, like, barrel-aged and more rare kind of stuff, hmm. or stuff that we only do maybe once a year or something like that. And, and you all do actually distribute, you know, draft lines and everything like that in, in local bars? Oh, yeah, you can, you can find us on tap uh, all over Vermont. You know, you're not going to find it in 
just any bar probably, but definitely I think we cover most of the state at this point, maybe with a little bit of a hole up in the um, northwest of the state. I don't think there's much up there, but um, we're over on the eastern side of the state. I know there's a bar in St. Johnsbury that gets it now. There's definitely a few places down in southern Vermont, um, but sort of the, the core core places are like Montpelier, Waterbury, Burlington, sort of, which is, just happens to follow like the Route 2 corridor, north, east-west corridor. Hmm. Do, do um, you, and, you, and you can also find us on tap in uh, New York City and surrounding areas, areas and, uh, and then maybe not quite as much in the Philadelphia area. And again, those are not as uh, common per se as you're going to find it in Vermont, but it's certainly possible. And, sure. So I guess do, do you ever do you ever get the impression that people visit the brewery itself more for you know bragging rights than anything else? I mean, because if they can just go off the plane and find a bar and and, and have um, some of your old beer, I mean that's that's one thing. But I guess there's some kind of um, there's some kind of mystique about going to Hill Farmstead. Yeah, I, I would I wouldn't argue with that. You know, we're a pretty unique location. I often joke that Sean broke the the first three rules of business, location, location, location. <laughs> and, <laughs> but it seems to have worked for him. Uh, um, and, it, you know, and being out here in a rural, really more attractive to people the, than it would be if we were in, like, an industrial park. Out, you know, that's just sort of... Well, actually, I think I, I, read, I read a quote by him, uh, by Sean, one time before, and I think um, so, somebody was asking him about wh- why he doesn't distribute. And I guess the one thing that he said that really caught my attention was... Um, you know, that he doesn't want to build an, an industrial park on, on his front lawn. You know, because that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's where his family came from. That's where he, he lived growing up. And I guess he didn't want to see his childhood home become, just, uh, become some, you know, an industrial park. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think the aesthetic of the brewery itself speaks to that. Uh, I've done a good job sort of keeping a lower profile on the building itself, I think. I mean, it's a, you know, there's no getting around it. It's a big building. It's, uh, I think it's over 9,000 square feet. So mm-hmm. it's big. You know, you're driving around on these back roads and you come across it, you're going you're gonna to know something's up. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but the aesthetic of it is, is very nice, and that's always been something Sean's paid close attention to. Yeah, um, yeah, and that, and that makes sense. Um, so I think we've established that family is, is very important to him. I mean, he's, he has that location for, for a reason. Um, you have a very specific uh, ancestral beer line, which you have a bunch of uh, beer named after uh, Sean's Sean's family, right? Yep. How many how many of yeah, those uh, names do you have? Sorry, say that. How many how many of those names do you have? Like, oh man, that probably is a question I should know the answer <laughs> to. <laughs> it's uh, it's a lot, and there's still a lot more names to choose from. That we, you know, it's um, like. Hill, the Hill family has, has been in Greensboro for a long time, and they seems to have never been a shortage of uh, of people having kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and is it is it, is it true that the beer is made from you know the well that the the family used when they were growing up? Uh, yeah, the well that supplied the dairy farm. I'm not exactly sure when that was drilled. I don't think it's like a you know it's definitely. Pretty sure it's not like a hundred years old, sure. well or whatever. But but at one point it did it did in in the sixties seventies I dare say again I'm not exactly sure. Um, sure. But 
was a dairy barn that that sat on this property, basically right where the brewery sits now. Um, and it, it actually burned down the year before Sean was born in 1978. Uh, and after that, um, his grandfather did, uh, didn't get back into dairy, per se. Um, after the barn burned down, it wasn't rebuilt. But, um, but yeah, that same well that, that fed that dairy barn is, is still here. Yeah. Do you happen to know um, who he named, like who was the first name that when he decided to do the ancestral beer line? Do you know who he chose? Uh, Edward, yeah. Uh, Edward is his grandfather. Um, passed away in the early 2000s, I believe. Um, so Sean knew him well. You know, Sean was uh, a young man by the time by the time Edward passed away. So he got to know Sean, or he got to know his grandfather well. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's who the the first beer, you know, the first brew day I think was March 30th or March 31st, 2010. And that was the that was the beer he brewed, Edward, and that is the one beer that we continuously brew, uh, that we pretty much always have on tap here at the at the tap room for growler fills. Um, it's the one beer that you're most likely to find if you go out to a bar in Vermont. You know, that's if they have a Hill Farmstead tap, they're likely. You know, they might have multiple Hill Farmstead taps, but they're likely to have. Uh, if they only have one, it's likely Edward. Um, hmm. And uh, yeah, that's like that's the one beer that we're that we're always brewing, and the rest of you know the rest of the time we're basically just brewing beers that we whatever uh, whatever Sean's whim is, sure. I guess. Um, you, you've you've described Sean, you know, professionally and kind of given us his background a- as a person. Can you can you describe him? Uh, I mean, like I, like what, what's what's he like? I mean, just talking to him, hanging out. Because I, I think I think people uh, I, I, I think people I've, have the know, impression. I've been a, I've been a, what, sorry, say again. I, I think people have this impression that he's some kind of hermit, or, and and I don't really think that's necessarily true. So I'm, I'm wondering if if you could just uh, go into that a little a little bit more. Um, I mean, I guess you know people maybe because so many people come through here, and that, and you know he is accessible in so much that you can see him uh, when you're here. It's not like he. Um, but he may, I don't know if people understand, uh, how, how busy he is, sure. <laughs> so, you know, like he'll, he'll often just sit in the retail shop and be working. Um, and you know, people might say hi and you know, he might say hi back, but he may not engage, uh, and I, all the time. And I yeah, I, that, I, I wouldn't fault him for that either. That makes, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't think, you know, people may think he's like, I don't know if they think he's sitting there surfing the internet doing nothing but he's, you know he's, he's a busy guy he's, he's working he's you know he's brewing he, he still does when when we first started um or when i first started working here it was just uh, myself uh sean and, and one other one other guy um and then you know his mom has always helped out a little bit and and even more so maybe now uh has- but he's always had you know it's he doesn't just brew the beer. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Sure. He has, um, you know, he he has his hand in every aspect of this business, and he lives and breathes it. And and I, you know, maybe that for someone who hasn't owned a business or run a business like that, maybe that's maybe hard for people understand. to understand that you just can't be accessible all the time. You can't stop what you're doing all the time and engage with people. Um, sure. You know, I would argue that if he really was a hermit, like you. He wouldn't sit in the retail shop and do with the public all day. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's you fair. Know, right? that, that's, um, that's completely fair. It's not like you're you're almost always going to see him when you're here. It's, it's, you know, this is where he is most of the time. But, yeah. Um, you know, he does he does try to get away, which is which is great. He certainly didn't do that much in the first few years, because simply because that's what you do when you're starting a business and running a business. But um, sure. I mean, you, yeah, you, I think it's. You, I, I don't know. He maybe I you know I would dare say maybe he's not the most outgoing guy all the time, but I don't I don't think um, I don't think you know not a lot of people are. I am you know I sure. I go out and talk to people and that's sort of what I do, but yeah. uh, not everybody's like that, and and I I think that should be fine. I don't think people should hold that against. Oh them. yeah, I I, I really um, agree with that. I don't I don't think anybody should fault him for it. That's why I kind of wanted to bring it up just to kind of uh, clear that up. Um, but, yeah. but you have known him for a while. Do you, do you think his, you know, philosophies or attitudes towards brewing or the beverage industry in general? Do you, do you think those attitudes have changed at all, or is he pretty consistent still with the same passion that he had, you know, six years ago? Uh, I would say consistent. Yeah, um, you know, constantly, constantly changing, but consistent in, in philosophy. You know, but uh, willing to willing to evolve you know, you know you don't have to be stuck in a rut oh sure yeah um okay. but yeah I, i've known him for you know we were friends long before uh i worked here um mm-hmm. i've known him since 2003 i think mm. somewhere around there okay which is sort of funny because i grew up around here too and i'm the same age as him uh yet uh, we were in different school districts so the way things work in rural communities if sure. you don't go to the same school or you don't end up in high school together at like a united high school then you just you don't tend to meet people until <laughs> so, wait, so so how, how did you meet him then uh at the time i met him i was running a country store i had just moved back from out west um and oh, reopened a, a country store and i was uh, yeah i was like a young 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 kid running a store in a rural community so it's sure. the not not something you see every day so it was like a friend of a friend type of thing yeah a a friend brought sean up and yeah we that's how we met okay well hey i i know you're pretty busy but before before i let you go um is there anything going on that you'd like people to know about in the next upcoming months uh i no, not off the top of my head i mean we're you know we're always here we're always open uh What, what are your hours uh, Wednesday through Saturday, noon to five. Um, you know, the summer months are certainly our busiest. Um, sort of that July 4th to Labor Day window is, is by far our busiest time of the year, I would say. So if you if you come during those months, just be prepared for that. But, um, be prepared for a wait. Okay. Oh, and actually, one thing I wanted to mention, too. Sure. Uh, we were talking about, you know, wait times and whatnot. Uh, with the new tap room being open, um, we're still running the old retail shop as it were um as the bottle shop quote unquote mm-hmm. um so the prepackaged bottles and, and merchandise and whatnot are sold out of there and and there is a line in there sometimes um but it tends to be uh it tends to be much less of a wait if you just want to go in and get some bottles or a t-shirt or a glass and and leave you know you're even on our busiest day you're probably only going to wait 40 minutes to do that um hmm. Okay. And oftentimes you'll just walk in and be the only one in there, even on a busy day, because um, it's it's just simply a lot easier to hand a full bottle of beer over and take someone's money. It's a much quicker transaction than actually pouring a growler, obviously. So, sure. so we've you know separated those two things.
things, and and that's certainly been advantageous as far as if somebody wants to just get something, <laughs> they can at least come in and do that, and, and without having to worry about waiting forever. Um, and if you're and if you're able to get up here in the next couple of weeks, you'll likely have the run of the place. You know, it's uh, this is a not a very busy time of year for us. So yeah, it's and it's beautiful out today <laughs> well maybe i'll do that maybe i'll go uh, try to get a plane ticket today and then fly out there yeah i mean it you know <laughs> before if you can get up here before memorial day um you're likely to have a, a pretty pleasant experience right. as far as not a ton of people around um you know if we do a release or something like that all bets are off it, it can certainly be busy but sure in general you know this is a a great time of year. Weather can still be unpredictable, but like I said, today it's like supposed to be 60 and sunny. So. All right, cool. Well, hey, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Mike. All right, take care. Bye.